Hey y'all, welcome back to the Toxic Mom Podcast. This is episode 7 and this will be about Imani Moss. As always, please make sure you're following my Instagram page at Toxic Mom Podcast. I now have a Twitter page as well at Toxic Mom Podcast and you can always email me the Toxic Mom Podcast at gmail.com. Just a little disclaimer, this case is quite disturbing and graphic. The details of it are are pretty pretty hard to swallow. I just want to let you guys know that before I get started with it. Alright, so Amani Moss was born on April 23rd, 2003 to Iman Moss and Danita Leakes. Amani was born drug addicted. Her biological mother was involved, but after a very lengthy custody battle, Iman Moss, who was her father, won sole custody of Imani. He has stated that the mother was involved, but, you know, not as much as a mother is normally involved. He went on to marry a woman named Tiffany in 2009 that he met at a church group where he would take his daughter Imani and that's how they met. They became friends. She took a liking to the daughter that he had and they got married. They had two children together once they were married. Tiffany was employed as a teacher uh, and Iman did lots of warehouse work. Imani has been described as sweet, outgoing, and she always liked to smile. There's many pictures of her online and she's always smiling. She seemed very, very happy. She died on October 24th, 2013 at the age of 10 and her cause of death was starvation her father and stepmother were charged with her death the trial for tiffany moss began in april of 2019 her father did not have a trial however he took a plea in exchange for testimony against his wife at her trial. He received a life sentence without parole. And Tiffany Moss was sentenced to death after her trial concluded and she represented herself in court. She did not have an attorney. So how do we get to this point? Let's peel off the layers to this case. As I stated, Iman and Tiffany were married, and that union formed two children. Early on in the marriage, Imani suffered from verbal, physical, and mental abuse from both her father and the stepmother. In... 2010, on March 19th, 
she received her report card and she was very upset. Some of the grades on there, I guess, were not, you know, what they should have been. And she cried to her teacher that she didn't want to go home with a bad report because her parents would hurt her. Obviously, when a child says that to a teacher, they are mandated reporters. So she had to investigate that statement that Imani made to her. She took Imani to the school nurse and the school nurse examined her body and discovered she had bruises and welts all over her. She asked Imani what happened and she said that morning her stepmother Tiffany beat her with a belt multiple times, striking her multiple times, excuse me, because she did not complete a homework assignment quick enough. Police were called, Child Protective Services were called, and Iman got a phone call while he was working that he needed to come down to the police station because there there was uh, obvious concern. Tiffany also had to report to the police station, and when they interviewed her, according to the police officer that took the stand in her trial, she did not deny hitting her. However, she said, I only hit her three times. Clearly, that was a lie because there was multiple strikes made against her, multiple parts of her body. So there was no way that she struck her just three times with this belt. She was arrested and she was charged with child cruelty. And as a result of that, she did lose her job because, again, she was a teacher She was sentenced to five years probation. Iman lost custody of her. She was sent to her grandmother, Robin Moss, to live. And she stayed at her grandmother's house for six months. At the trial of Tiffany Moss, Iman states that after that event, where Tiffany was arrested and charged and was put on probation and subsequently lost her job, he stated things went downhill pretty quickly from there. So that was three years prior to Amani's death. So quite a long time for, for things to evolve here. So after about six months with the grandmother, Robin Moss, she was ordered to return Imani to her father by the Georgia Division of Family and Children's Services. However, she contested this heavily. She did not want to send her daughter back to that house, even though this is her son's child. She said while Amani was in her care, she was thriving well. She was doing really good and things were going a lot better for her. So she really put up a fight for her granddaughter, but they gave her 
orders that she had to return Imani to her father and stepmom. In the midst of being back with her father and stepmother, Imani ran away from her home several times. One night in 2012, she was found in the pouring down rain in the bushes near her home by a police officer. The police returned her to her father and it seemed like there was really no questions asked. They said that she does this all the time and she's a problematic child and the police took the words of her stepmother and her stepfather or her father and nothing really came about these multiple incidences where she ran away so here is a little girl who rather be in the pouring down rain hiding in the bushes covered in mud than in her house with her family. Just want you guys to think about that for a minute. That's how bad things were for Imani. That she rather be outside in the rain than inside with her her father and her siblings and her stepmom. Even in the midst of all of this, her teachers said that she thrived pretty well in school. She was happy. She was always smiling. School was her safe place. There was an incident around Mother's Day of 2013, Imani's aunt took the stand and said that she came over to a family event on Mother's Day and Imani's hair had been cut very short. She always had ponytails and her hair came past her shoulders. It appeared in many pictures, so it threw the family off that all of a sudden she showed up and her hair was cut off very, very short. And when the family questioned Tiffany about this, because Tiffany was at this event, she said, God doesn't like ugly. And that's why she cut Imani's hair off. However, Iman was allegedly led to believe that Imani cut her hair off herself And to finish the job, Tiffany cut the rest to make it even. However, that was not the case. And at this event, the Mother's Day event in 2013, her aunt and her grandmother, her grandmother Robin took the stand at Tiffany's trial, stated that she looked different. She looked thin, although she was a thin girl, She just looked thinner and her spirit 
wasn't the same. And at the end of her 2012-2013 school year, Tiffany and Iman pulled her out of school and notified the school that she would now be homeschooled. And I believe she was going to be entering fifth grade um, in 2013. So they decided to homeschool her. Her aunt stated that she contacted DFCS down in Georgia to intervene, but they did not do anything even after they voiced concerns that something was very, very off with, with Imani and her living conditions. Um, so, over the course of the last few months of Imani's life, she died a very slow, painful, and agonizing death. The medical examiner that testified at Tiffany's trial stated she weighed 32 pounds when her body was brought in for autopsy. That's about the equivalent weight of a three or four year old. She had a large burn mark on her stomach. Her dad, this was due to her spilling hot water on herself. The medical examiner suspects that Imani, while she was extremely desperate for food and water in her weakened state, probably crawled to the kitchen to try to get something and hot water fell on her. There was also text messages that were displayed in court where Tiffany would text Iman all these things that Imani was apparently doing. She wasn't doing her homework. She wasn't eating. She wasn't doing this. She wasn't doing that. So he, in a sense, seemed to believe everything his wife was saying about his daughter, who was actively dying in her bedroom. So... On October 23rd, 2013, Iman stated that Imani had a seizure and he realized then that she was beyond repair. Those were his words. She was beyond repair. So, of course, the the lawyer kind of asked him to elaborate. He said that he tried to give her infant formula to drink and she wasn't drinking. Her eyes were rolling in the back of her head. And, you know, well, why didn't you call 911? Because he just didn't. On October 23rd, 2013, while at work, Tiffany calls him and states Imani is dead in her bedroom. He came home from work. He saw that she was laying on the floor. Her body was stiff and she was cold. And he wrapped her up in a blanket 
and moved her from his, her room to the computer room where he states he was grieving. Keep that date in mind. October 24th, 2013 is when she died. Police didn't get notified of Imani's death till about six days later. Um, this is where this story starts to really get graphic. So I just want you guys to just follow along what happens after this. The day of his daughter being discovered dead, he goes to work. He has two jobs. He comes home from one job and he goes to another job. While his daughter is laying dead in their computer room with his other two living children and his wife in the apartment. I'm gonna play a little clip from him at his trial so you can hear in his own words of, you know, what was going on. After your daughter died, you said you went to work. Yes, sir. I went to both jobs. And, and that during that time is when you moved her into the computer room. Yes, sir. And then you went to your second job. Yes, sir. What did you do? Sorry, lost signal, but I'll play it when it comes back, but you hear him in his own words that he went to work even after his daughter was found deceased. Oh, here it is. I'll keep playing it. Sorry about that. Okay, so there you have it. Um, Yeah, I'll just leave that at that. Okay, so this nonsense goes on for quite a few days um, where he's going to work and he comes home and grieves 
goes back to work, comes home and grieves, go back to work, comes home and grieves. On October 31st, Halloween, he goes to work. He gets text messages from Tiffany of his two living children in costumes while they're trick-or-treating. Are you guys following this? His biological daughter is deceased in his apartment. He's at work. And his wife is out trick-or-treating with their two other kids. Sending him pictures of the events. Finally, these two decide that they needed to get rid of the body somehow. Tiffany suggests that they bury her. However, Iman doesn't want to do that. He doesn't think it's right to bury his daughter in the middle of nowhere. So, as you heard him say, they put on their criminal minds hats. He goes to Walmart. He purchases a tin trash can, trash bags, charcoal, and lighter fluid. Um, that same night, he takes his daughter's deceased body, wraps it in blankets and trash bag, and stuffs her in the tin trash can. He stated in court that it was very difficult to get her do- to get his daughter into this trash can because her body was so stiff, but he made it possible for her to go in that trash can. He puts charcoal inside the bag and he and Tiffany now start to drive around. while their two children are with them in the wee hours of the morning, because he gives a time frame around 4 a.m. when they finally stopped and found a spot that they thought was perfect to try to cremate her body. So he gets out of his car. Imani's body is then set on fire by her father because Tiffany said she couldn't watch. She goes back to the car while Iman pours charcoal on his dead daughter, puts lighter fluid on her body and sets her on fire. So he could try to cremate 
her to hide the crime. Then he realizes it's not working. So he puts the fire out. He places his daughter, who's still inside the trash can, back in the trunk of his car while his other two children are asleep in the back seat. He drives home. Tiffany gets out with the kids. He gets out. And what do you guys think he does now? Do you think he calls 911? Do you think either one of them call 911? No. He gets back in the car and he goes to work with his daughter's body in the back of his car. He works a full shift. Something must have finally came over this man because he calls a friend, friend comes, meets him, friends in the car. He finally spills the beans that his daughter is in the back of his car dead. And of course, like a normal person that receives that information, his friend flips out. And finally, finally, the police are notified that Imani is deceased. But before the police come, Iman takes his daughter's body out of his back seat of his car and he places her on the side of a curb. I believe she was found near the apartment complex. I'm 99% sure that's what I I watched the trial. And I believe that's where she was found. Um, The police are called. They come and they seal off the crime scene. um, Or not the crime scene, excuse me. They seal off the spot where he places his daughter's body that was still in a trash can. And then they start their investigation. He is arrested. However, Tiffany got wind that he was calling the police and she flees to her mother's with her two children. Upon the initial investigation, Iman told police that Imani ingested some chemicals. She had a seizure and she died and she did not get medical treatment. And he panicked him and his wife and that's how she ended up dead but of course you know what they weren't going to notice that she weighed 32 pounds at autopsy they weren't going to notice that she was starved to death because the cause of her death was starvation so that's what he said he said that she drank chemicals, had a seizure, and died, and they did not call 911 because they were afraid. So 
he finally gives them the whole story because, of course, you know, they figure out that this wasn't the truth. He testifies at court, again, against his wife. And in exchange for that, he gets a life sentence without the possibility of parole. And he's in his early 30s at the time of this sentence. So he's going to be in jail for a very, very, very long time. And he has a very long time to think about what he has done. Tiffany, again, represented herself at her trial. The jury found her guilty of every single charge she was charged with. She represented herself and they recommended the death sentence. I just want to let you know. During the entire trial, she never called a witness. She never spoke. She never cross-examined. She smirked a lot during the trial. She had a notepad and paper she was doodling on. Um, You know, it's... I want you guys to... I will post the links to all of this. The trial is available on YouTube. I will post the link. The the part of the trial I want you guys to really watch and please give me feedback. You can email me or you can talk to me on Twitter or you can talk to me on um, Instagram. Please watch the father's testimony. His testimony is about an hour long. Um, he's only on the stand for one day. He's not brought back in multiple days. Um, I want you to watch his demeanor. I want you to listen to how he speaks about his daughter. I just want you guys to really watch and give me your feedback on what you think is going on here. Um, It was very intriguing to watch this guy on the stand from the moment he walked into the courtroom to the time the judge dismissed him from the stand. It was very interesting. His body language... um, his impeccable memory of the crime and how he talked about his daughter, you know? And what really struck me was he admitted that his mother begged him to let Amani live with him. And he said, no. And he said his ego got in the way of that. So I want you to please watch that. Again, I'm going to post a link and just tell me what you what you think about this guy. Um, It is what it is with the stepmom. I mean, she had no blood relation to this girl. She did not carry her for nine months. She did not give birth to her. But Iman, her father, created her. And for him to allow this woman to do this to his own flesh and blood is very very out of this world and despicable i personally and i don't like to voice my opinions on these podcasts but this trial is done the two people involved are arrested you know it's not like this isn't still an open case the only thing now is they have to figure out if she's going to be sentenced, if she really is going to get the lethal injection, because, you know, with any death penalty case, it takes years and appeals. And because she represented herself, who knows what's going to happen here. But, you know, 
this is his own daughter. You know, again, part of his body created her. And, you know, it's, it's very rare. And it's unfortunate because the courts are very biased towards men, in particular men of color. It's very rare for a man to get sole custody of their children. Because usually it's the other way around, or again, there's a lot of bias towards men in courts, in family courts in particular. So he got full custody of this girl, and after he met Tiffany, things just went downhill because his mother did not indicate that prior to meeting Tiffany, anything was really wrong with the relationship between Iman and Imani. You know, everything just went downhill after he met Tiffany. And, you know, she made a statement that she's leaving it in God's hands. That's why she represented herself. But, you know, just take a look at that again and just give me your feedback. What do I always say at the end of these podcasts? Do you think Tiffany Moss is a toxic mom? Give me your feedback, the toxic mom podcast at gmail.com. We'll chat soon.